The Author Hangout, episode number 61. And just think, like, if you went to Facebook right now and they're like, surprise, bam, I have a new novel up and it's 99 cents, it's almost a no-brainer for you to buy. Welcome to the Author Hangout, where we interview best-selling authors and experts in the book publishing industry to reveal the tips and advice you need to succeed as an author in today's publishing landscape. Enjoy the show. Hey, Sean Manoher here with the Author Hangout, wanting to bring you a surprise episode of sorts. I was sitting down with Nick Cole, a guest of the Author Hangout in the past, who's written a number of amazing books. And I was sitting down with him to talk about advanced review readers and sending out copies to these individuals and what does he do. And in fact, it was part of a larger conversation and a blog post that we're writing up about advanced review copies. And so I sat down, talked with Nick, and to my surprise, he laid out this amazing, well, I don't want to give it all away, but he laid out a awesome idea about promoting your book and also talked a little bit about advanced review readers. You're going to be blown away by his response and I know that you're going to love this episode of The Author Hangout. Here we go. Well, Nick, feel free to jump in. The The question really I'm trying to unearth and understand better is how uh, successful authors are using advanced review readers so uh, to launch or to you know, further propel their career. So you can jump right in. All right. Well, I, I, I just did a launch recently for a book called The End of the World as We Knew It. And um, it's a it's a it's a zombie book in the zombie genre, but it's it's a new take. It, I tell like I was telling you earlier, it's The Walking Dead meets um, The Notebook. And and what I as I was working up towards the launch of it, I was beginning to observe people and how they were releasing their books. And what I'm noticing in the industry right now, in, in, the, indie, in the indie side, I'm a traditionally published author and an indie. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing that there's a fatigue level. There is an oversharing because of social media. Mm. Um, people are, you know, and it's understandable. I've been there as a writer. You know, you're kind of working by yourself day after day after day, and you have peers that you know, Everyone, you know, from Andy Weir to, uh, you know, all down the gambit of people and everybody's mm-hmm. releasing and, and they're variously having successes. And that's what the Facebook machine is. It's a it's a great way to get on there and bray about how wonderful your life is. It, yeah. it may not be the case, you know, but when you're sitting around doing that, you, you begin to think like, well, maybe I'm becoming irrelevant. Maybe. And, you know, the worst thing is one of one of your loyal readers raves about, you know, uh, the new Ernest Klein book and you, and you, mm. you feel this weird sense of betrayal, but that's, that's not really the case. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I saw people oversharing and, you know, they were going as when, and this is going to be focused on arcs, but, you know, I, I, I saw people like literally dropping, their entire, you know, mailing list, a free arc or, you know, selling the merchandise and talking it up and here's the cover and here's a sample chapter and blah, blah, blah. And what I was really thinking to myself is we now have a generation of people and it's, you know, this thing, if you're a parent, um, you know, or whatever, you know, or you come from the eighties, you know, we all rave about the, the good old days where we walked uphill to school both ways in the snow you know, we're noticing yeah. that there's this instant gratification culture now and we rail about it, but maybe as marketers and people who are selling things, we mm-hmm. might want to become Apple 
we might want to become Bethesda. Mm. You know, we might actually want to embrace the instant gratification because that's that's what's working on this culture that can immediately say, I don't know the answer. Let's Google it. Mm. And so when you're really going in well in advance and you're over communicating that you've got this great next great American novel out and you're telling everybody about it constantly and blah, blah, blah. Every time you do that, you're fatiguing their emotionalism about your product. And they now they see the cover, but guess what? They can't have it for two months or four months or whatever. And so by the time the big launch day comes around, I was beginning to watch people really have, and it's not totally their fault because I think big publishing is starting to, to steal some thunder, starting mm -hmm. to take up some avenues that um, indies had access to, like BookBub or things like that. And so I think I think it's we're entering a time of maybe famine for indies. But on the you know on the, the the velvet hammer side of it, now here's the hammer. Indies were at the same time over fatiguing their readers by just communicating way too much, so that when launch day came out, they they're doing things to create emotionalism, like let's say a Facebook launch party, which I think does not absolutely, which I think absolutely does not work. Um, and they, they were just really wearing out people who were no longer emotional about their product. So I did something different with the end of the world as we knew it. What I did is I had the cover done by the awesome Mike Corley and I had the book and I just said nothing about it. And, then, and a few weeks before I began to drop hints like, Hey, something's come, something's coming. Um, I might put up kind of a cryptic and enigmatic picture of say, mm -hmm. you know, New York city on fire or something like that. And, and there was a little bit of buzz, you know, and, but I just innocuously one Monday afternoon, I just, in the morning I got up at about six, I hit publish, wait for it, waited for it to populate. And then at about noon 30, I just said, Hey everybody, I just dropped a brand new book. And if you're interested in it, it's up. And what happened is I had not talked about that book at all. Now I was free to talk about it as much as possible without fatiguing my social media channels. And mm. I waited for a second because they all started talking about it. And they're like, wow, you know, you're, we all have a core loyal base of readers mm -hmm. who are, who are for, and I don't like this word because I don't like the fan word, but they are enthusiastic about our, our work and, and they're willing to talk for you. And so to, to get up on a Monday afternoon when they're slogging through work and realize this treat from somebody they enjoy is out there and they can have it right now, just like all of us, when we saw the star Wars trailer, you know, you wanted to kind of jump mm -hmm. on and, and shout and that's, what we're looking for as authors to, to sell books. We're looking for that emotionalism. And then the next component of, it, component of it was, is they saw the cover. They loved the cover. They're like, that's gorgeous. So now I've got them at this like, you know, peak of emotionalism, you know, where they would buy it mm -hmm. if they could. And guess what? For 99 cents, they can buy it right now instead of having to hmm. wait that two months. Right, you know, right, right. Because I, I saw I saw some people launch a book right around the time that Ernest Klein's uh, Armada came out and mm -hmm. uh, the the To Kill a Mockingbird and their novels. I could see readers relegating them and saying, "Well, I, I know this book, and I but I really want this one." So you know they'll organize you, but instead, if you don't say anything and you go in. And there's some other factors to this, but I call it the surprise launch strategy. 
Mm. I love it. Yeah, and so it it really worked for me. The book within 24 hours shot up to number 1250 on Amazon overall. Hmm. It sold a bunch of copies. It's still selling, and you know it's been been about three weeks. Um, It's I think right now it's at 1900, but it'll dip down and it'll go a little bit up, but. You know, for a book that had none of the stuff that we've all been doing lately, which is, you know, <laughs> let's run yeah. ads, let's do this, let's jump, yeah. dump, dump. I had about five ARC readers, and those were just people actually that I was asking to read it for, like, you know, catch my mistakes here and grammar, and, and, um, but I, I didn't really put it out a lot. And so, since we're talking about ARCs and everything like that, mm. uh, maybe three months ago, I would have told you. It's a smart idea that if your mailing list is not big, give all of your art, your your mailing list, the opportunity to read your art because we all know reviews, reviews, reviews. Right. But maybe that's not important anymore, and maybe Amazon has figured that out because there is such an oversaturation of you know. Sometimes you look around and it seems like a lot of books have you know uh, you know instantaneously twenty five to forty five to fifty seven. You know, five star <laughs> reviews. And right. People, people now look for one star reviews because they're, hmm. you know, they, they, they're going to go and, and it's going to help them make their decision more. So, you know, the game is always changing in social media. You know, since yeah. you're at Facebook, they change that, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. And so the same thing with Amazon. We all know that, that it changes constantly. And I think there is less of an emphasis now on um reviews i don't know that that 25 is a magic number like a lot of people Mm -hmm. have talked about but i think your best bet that you can do as as a writer is to cultivate a reader base and then and and then you know try to be a little try to put a little showmanship into it and and create a mini happening instead of having them look at their calendar on Monday and they're like, oh, okay, Facebook's reminding me I have to go to this person's launch party. They're, <laughs> you know, you're turning into a job for them instead of like, wow, mm. a bonus, you know, so like if, just right now, think of your favorite author that you're reading, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the Sanderson dude or Andy Weir or Ernest Klein or Michael Bunker. And just think like if you went to Facebook right now and they're like, surprise, bam, I have a new novel up and it's 99 cents. It's almost a no brainer for you to buy. You know what I mean? You're just like, yeah. I enjoy this person's work. I'm going to go for it. And then what that does is over the next, you know, and I think the next trick is to do a four-day sustained launch where you're engaging your mailing list one day, you're engaging your social media feed the next day. Maybe you've got some friends who have good mailing lists who are willing to come out for you. You support that with a few really well-placed blog posts. And if you can kind of sustain that momentum over the course of about four days, Mm-hmm. You might just stick, but of course this all, you know, like the, the caveat to all of this is you have to write a really, really good novel a lot. The, okay. Well, here's, and this is not arrogant or anything. People just know me as a writer and they know that yeah. I'm a very literary writer. I, I, I like to call myself artisanal junk food. You know, I like to just, I like yeah. to take genre and I like to do it really well and the people that are reading my books, one of, if you go to the end of the world as we know it, which is a zombie book, and everybody's burnt on zombie books. Yeah, and I have people yeah. reviewing it that say, I don't read zombie books. I read this one. And it's so different from a lot of the stuff that, that's out there because there are a lot of people fatiguing your reader base with crap. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. not 
writing a good book. They're hoping to get lucky, hoping that someone will see them as a diamond in the rough. They're writing this crappy Bigfoot porn. And it's, it's, this is, might be the high water mark for indies because Big Pub doesn't do this. They put out pretty good stuff consistently. And mm-hmm. indies have a tendency because we have some bottom feeding writers that mm-hmm. will just put out, you know, absolutely horrible dreck and that fatigues your reader base. So, before we do any of these secret launch things and pull these tricks and buy things, like it really is absolutely imperative that you write the best book that you can. You hire a great editor. You have some consigliaries that, that are willing to, to call you out. And and you just write something, you know, like Hemingway would say, that is honest and true. But it's mm-hmm. it's got to just, you know, and I always tell people about this thing that I do called performing the novel because I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. And I'll mm-hmm. sit down and I'll just perform that book out loud. Like, you know, if you listen to Stephen King's books, you know, he hires great actors to read those books. And so I'll just really go in and I'll read like that. And I think that that, that helps make the book more readable and tone and cadence and pace and all those things. So we that's the basic. We have to do that. But then I really do think there is something to this surprise strategy. And the final thing after having said all that about that, and you can tell I don't give short answers is that now you haven't talked about that book on social media for the whole time you've held it. And you've been a very good person, like you were taught in elementary school, not to eat the marshmallow, to wait till they came back in the room 20 minutes later, and then you're going to get two marshmallows, that old test that they tell you about. But you're really, you know, you restrained yourself. Now, guess what? You are free to talk it into the ground. One, because you want to. You're not fatigued from talking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But two, they haven't heard about it. And you can, I think you've got about a week to two weeks after the launch using the surprise method to really just go in and talk, 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 talk it up, you know, blow out your fatigue, blow out, you know, even go not to the point of boorishness, but push it to, I got to get this message out because there really is a time limit and then you've got to stop. And now the book has got to swim all on its own. Yeah. So like I was, you know, since we were, this was a call about arcs I, and I, I think like, and I've been thinking about this for about a week. So it's interesting that you asked me to do this interview. I mean, yeah. maybe even a week and a half ago, I had to tell, I had to told you go to your whole arc list, but I think yeah. I might've evolved on that. I, I don't know that that was the good way to go. In building in that initial list. Now you're like, Hey, I sent it to five people. Um, so your strategy, at least at, at this point, Point is saying you don't need a big arc list. You you just need to. It sounds like you just need to launch books well and and launch them smart to to your audience because it it sounds like your audience definitely responded to this way in launching your book. Yeah, and and I would say you know this I'm I'm a guy who had success in the initial blush with the old man in the wasteland. And I sold about 80,000 copies of that. And I got picked up by trade pub, um, traditional publishing. And, Mm -hmm. and I didn't, I did not have an email list and I did not, um, understand how to cultivate a reader base. And then I kind of fell in with Michael Bunker and Tim Grawl and Rob Mm -hmm. McClellan who runs third scribe. And they kind of taught me, well, this is how you do MailChimp and this is what you do. And, you know, Michael Bunker is one of the greatest guys that you ever want to listen to about mm-hmm. how to actively engage your fans, not fatigue them, but keep them interested in your career and everything like that. But the problem is, is I think everybody's going out and building email lists now. And 
you know, there's a, you, there's even a danger about, you know, you don't want to, some people will tie their Facebook feed to their email list. And so, you know, email, email, that would be the extreme mm -hmm. case scenario. And, mm -hmm. and I don't really email my, my mailing list unless I am selling them something or the other day, one of my books, Soda Pop Soldier came up as the Kindle daily deal. And so I let them know and say, hey, it's a buck ninety nine. If you yeah. think it is a Christmas present or you want to pick it up. And I'd gotten a new a lot of new people from from the end of the world as we knew it. You know, I let them know. But I don't just, you know, I wrote this great blog post, you should read it, or um please give me some reviews. I think you have to be very cautious with your email list, very protective. If you're gonna you know, a good thing is to band together with similar writers of, you know, uh, if you can get a bigger writer, like Matthew Mather came out for me and helped me on um, Tio Tawaki, and he has he has a really nice mail list following. If you if you know people and you're willing to trade, like I'll come out for you, you come out for me, that's a great mm -hmm. thing to do. Mm -hmm. But I just think we're all noticing it on Twitter and we're noticing it on Facebook. People are just over talking about their novels, and I and I do think that this comes from. You see Hugh Howie on his boat. You see Andy Greer hanging out with Matt Damon. Does he have a boat? He's got a boat now. I know. I keep telling everybody that because it really must resonate inside my head because I love boats. <laughs> and Hugh Howie has a boat now. And and so, but the, you know, they're 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 they are titans. They're giants. Most yeah. of us are not that. And so, you got to do other stuff and you got to be interesting. I have this new podcast I do with five other writers and we just sit around and play Dungeons and Dragons and we don't talk about books. <laughs> and, you know, you just okay. find, yeah. Yeah, yeah. find something that's called old school. Uh, that's called sci-fi writers playing old school D&D. &D. Right, right. It's a exactly. cool podcast. It's on iTunes. But, you know, just do stuff to be interesting, but mm -hmm. don't constant don't. I guess the biggest piece of advice I have learned this year is stop talking about your book until it's time to start talking about your book. And in, and the only time that it's time to start talking about your book in this culture of immediate gratification is, is when they can actually press buy now. Mm. Otherwise, like, you know, it's like, it's insane. You know, like this is a yeah. great book and I love it and you're going to love it too. And now hold that thought for two months. People can't even, you know, like churches learned, you couldn't have ser sermons more than 20 minutes. Because people mm -hmm. couldn't sit, you know, they can't. And now you're asking someone two months to wait to read your your zombie triptych. <laughs> They're not going to do it. And, they, and, yeah. and you only have a, a little, you know, It's I, I like to think of, you know, books and the adventure that they are in certain ways, they're like the first time that you listen to a really great pop song, like David Bowie's dream genie or whatever. And you mm -hmm. listen to it and that is a great song. But if you listen to that song 20 times, it's not as great as it was the first time or the second time. And so, mm -hmm. you know, if you keep talking about your book, you really are going to fatigue your readers. So I would say to everybody, whatever you, and yeah, you know, it's funny. I wrote a blog post about this and I, I put it, up and and everybody said that is great that is brilliant and they can see that it's working for me mm -hmm. a lot along with other things and and thanks to god i'm i'm up there and i'm cruising and i see these same people immediately go out and start talking about this book that they're working on or i just got my new cover from mike Worley and they're so proud of it and it's like don't do that because you only you know that emotionalism is like a, it's like a little jar with only so much in it. And every time you, you do something, you take that emotionalism out, save it for the day when they'll buy it and then they'll 
go on to social media and say, I just bought Nicole's new book and it's exciting. Wow. You know, and now you just got a sale and some social media love. Do you think this strategy of the surprise or secret launch could work in a series, like to, to start a series where they know something's coming, but they don't know when? I think I, I definitely think that it could work in a series. I think it could work to start a series, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. it, I think the I think that it could even work for you even better um, as you release each book in the series. Instead of, you know, doing this George R. R. Martin thing where, you know, it's this death march to his next book. And even the television show they're making about his books is going to wrap up before he even wraps his books up, which is uh, not understandable. But I, lo- I, think, I think books are such an enjoyable treat and they're so wonderful. And when they come out of the blue, when we look at a lot of our favorite movies and books and our favorite experiences, it so often is not a planned or manufactured thing. Mm. It is so often a happy accident. I remember like it was like 1985 or 86 and I went to the movies and my friend said, we're going to go see this movie called Predator. And I had no idea what this was about. I said, what is it about? And it's a science fiction movie. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And like, I don't even think they said science fiction movie, but like, I remember being completely blown away by like, whoa, I thought this was like, you know, guys in the jungle movie fighting it out. Now there's an alien. And it was, it was a happy surprise. Yeah. And sometimes when I find books that I like, they're really, they're really great and fun. And I didn't, I didn't know that they were going to be great. But then, you know, I guess if we go to the Ernest Klein Armada example, I think there are people that really love that book and support that book because they're able to read it as, oh, this is just another book. But then there was this vast majority of the audience that went nuts about it angrily because it wasn't Ready Player One 2. Hmm. And and so because there was so much hype about this book and I was at Comic-Con and and they had joust machines set up with Armada and everybody was expecting <laughs> Ready Player One 2. Yeah. And, and that didn't, that hype didn't serve him. So what if he would have said nothing and, and just let everybody just, oh, I love Ready Player One. And then he's, and then his publishing company would said, and hey, guess what? It's Friday afternoon. We just dropped something cool. You know, like, I, mm-hmm. I think, I think, I think that's, it's, it's, it's a sad commentary on our culture in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. they now, they now need that kind of stuff. They need that. You know, and then again, like, isn't that kind of what Netflix is doing now? They're just, you know, like, surprise, here's everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we just finished uh, season four of Longmire. Yeah, I, we're yeah, like, no, yeah. stop. <laughs> <laughs> I will be going into that because I love Longmire, but what a treat. And yeah. I, I, I thought that was a few months off. And then, whoa, here, right. here yeah. it is, bam. And so yeah. it is, it's a sad, like I said, it's a sad commentary on our culture. But, you know, in a certain way, we are not. We are not, um, full, you know, we are not philosophers trying to tell the children how to behave better. Yeah. We are carnies trying to get their money. And so <laughs> if instant gratification works, that might be the way. To go. Yeah. I would say like what you probably should do for the time being with regarding to arcs, regarding mm-hmm. arcs, and especially if you use MailChimp, there is a way to see who are, your VIP, you can mark them as VIPs, but who, who's responding to your emails? Mm-hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. and, and then you look at who's written reviews for your last books and you select 25 of your tried and true best people. And then I would say about two weeks before launch, you stagger five arcs um, every four to five days so that, you know, cause they don't all go out in the media and the people that you do think are going to go read your book. They don't read it for two weeks, <laughs> you know, and you, yeah. you end, they end up just screwing you. And, and, right, but right. you know, it might be good to have those in your hip pocket. So I would just take your 25 best and, and put it out there. Not, you know, I've got a reader, I've got a, I've got a, re, uh, a mailing list of 5,000 people mm, and I want to try yeah. to get 5,000 reviews because you see Andy Weir's got 13,000 reviews. I don't think you need that. I think what you need yeah. for the algorithm and for me in a lot of ways, Amazon is the only game in town and you have to figure out well, what do I need to do to get sticky there? And I think you need to maintain momentum over four days. And the best way to do that after having written a great book is, is to create an enthusiasm among your base where they buy it enthusiastically and immediately social media blast it. They start reading it and they're having a good time and they check back in on social media and say, I'm having a great time. And then they finish it up and go right to the review process. And they're just, hopefully the emotionalism is carrying them through the course of the four days of the launch. So you're getting a steady stream of reviews. You're getting a steady stream of social media love and that's all you can do. And, and, and finally, to give everybody a big break and so that it's not so overwhelming. In the end, you, there's only so much you can do to launch a book. And it, it's just got to swim. And it might. there are many great books that never swam. It just depends on where the mm-hmm. culture is at the time, what's going on in my life. I just think, well, okay, whatever God wants for it to be, that's what it's going to be. And I don't get too upset about whether it resonates or it doesn't resonate because you don't know. No one knows. It's like what William Goldman, the screenwriter, said, no one knows anything. Who would have ever thought that sparkly vampires would turn into rapist stockbrokers? <laughs> you know, and that would be right. the biggest thing ever. You know, whoever thought that big porn, Bigfoot porn would make more money than, you know, the guy who invented the 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 uh, the Internet. I don't know. You know, it's just right. You know, it's yeah. just. It's, it's, it's too weird to think, but all you can do is just write your truest and your best story. Come up with a tricky launch that creates an, an enthusiasm and emotion and cultivate your readers and love them and be a service provider and bend over backwards to make them happy and never under any circumstances engage a troll. Thanks for listening to the Author Hangout. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher to get the new episodes delivered directly to your device. Watch the video from this episode and get the transcript at theauthorhangout.com. The Author Hangout is brought to you by bookmarketingtools.com. Getting reviews for your latest ebook has never been easier. Yeah, you could pay $400 for some review services or try and manage hunting down people to gift your book, track your book, and hopefully get some reviews. Or you could use Reading Deals Review Program at readingdeals.com reviews to simplify the entire process. Our Amazon-compliant, simple and affordable review program puts your book in the hands of our very hungry readers at Reading Deals. Honest reviews, affordable reviews, simplified process. Go to readingdeals.com slash reviews for more details.